You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. As always, brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. It's myself, Colin, back for another show. Hopefully you've had a good week since the last time you joined us here on the podcast and uh, today we're going to be looking more at the NFL draft we did promise some draft coverage coming up in the coming weeks and we are going to make good on that promise today we're going to be joined by NFL.com's and of course their college football 24-7 writer Mike Huggenen he's going to join me in just a moment or two to talk all about the NFL draft and uh, all the top prospects uh, coming up through it so looking forward to getting Mike on the show and for you to get a chance to listen to all that good stuff as always, to start the show, I'd like to give a quick plug out to our partners at LastWordOnSport.com. Do follow them on Twitter, it's at LastWordOnSport, and of course their website, as I mentioned, LastWordOnSport.com. NFL now, obviously we're hyping up stuff for the draft, and there's a little bit of some pieces of news coming out, but they have you covered for all sports. If you are a fan of Major League Baseball, NBA, whatever it may be, they have you covered, and they have lots of great writers up there, so go and check that out. Don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm over here in Ireland still at the moment, and uh, Went to the gym this morning, got a good workout in, went to the gym, was raining, quite stormy, went uh, into the gym, hailstones, quite cold, and then on the way back, more hailstones, so it's been absolutely atrocious weather here in Ireland, I don't know what stuff's like there, and uh, wherever you're listening to the show, I know we have a number of American listeners in places like Florida, California, that sort of thing, Uh, it'd be quite nice to be down there uh, and around San Diego at the moment, I'm sure it's a little bit warmer than we have it here, and uh, I can't say that uh, there's likely not hailstones there at this time of the year, so... Uh, if you're in a nice warm place, do uh, do uh, enjoy yourself and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this show no matter where you're listening to it. Of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking NFL draft, so let's get Mike Huggin in on the show straight away and uh, let's do that right now. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Joining me in the podcast now is Mike Huggenen of NFL.com and their college football 24-7 crew over there, and uh, of course we're getting hyped up for the NFL draft. Mike joined us last year, just prior to the draft, so it's great to get him back on to get some of his knowledge and some of the, the prospects coming through, because like most people, Mike, uh, us guys here at Overtime Ireland, we watch the NFL when it's on, and then... When uh, the college football is on, I don't pay as much attention to that until this time of year where I try and dive in and get as much information from guys like yourself as I can. So thanks again for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I had a good time last year. And, uh, of course, today, Florida State uh, Pro Day on, and it's actually on as we talk. So we're going to do a little bit of speculation here as how things are going to go. But I, re- I retweeted a piece that you had done on uh, Jameis Winston, what to expect from him at today's Pro Day. Pro Day going on at the minute, he hasn't thrown as of yet. But, you know, with how he got on at the Combine, how everyone's projecting him to be the number one overall pick, what do you expect from him today? And do you expect him to just do what he done again at the Combine and to, to just reestablish himself as that number one overall pick? Yeah, I, I think he's going to have an extremely strong pro day. Um, I think he's going to cement himself as the number one guy. Um, you know, the pro day workouts are scripted, um, and he's working with receivers he has thrown to for two and three seasons. So he should be uh, well-versed in, in every throw he's going to make. He has taken snaps from under center, unlike a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. He has called audibles, unlike a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. He has huddled up and called plays unlike a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. And I think Tampa Bay, um, I don't think there's smoke coming from Tampa Bay. I think the reason there's a fire, so to speak, is they are going to take Jameis Winston as the number one pick. 
and hope he can turn into a legitimate franchise quarterback. And of course, when we're on this subject of Florida State, just uh, other players coming out of there that you think that uh, you know could have a big impact on this draft, maybe first round prospects. Yeah, I think uh, Eddie Goldman, the defensive tackle, is extremely talented. He's not going to be a guy who's going to provide an interior pass rush, um, but he is a he's a big run stuffing guy. He can play at three thirty five and not lose any quickness. Um, and I'm a huge PJ Williams fan, the cornerback. Um, he's a physical guy. He's good in run support. Um, he plays really good for the most part when he has really good receivers opposite him. He is, he was sort of up and down, uh, at times at FSU, but, uh, I think he's a potential, uh, pro bowl, pro bowl corner. Um, I think he's a lot better than Ronald Darby, the other FSU corner and a guy who's not going to go in the first round. But I think it's going to have a really, really good NFL career as Rashad Green, the wide receiver. Um, extremely smooth in and out of his routes. Uh, really good hands. Extremely high football IQ. And an extremely good kid. Um, you know, is he a second or third round pick? Probably. But I think he could be a guy who can be a legitimate number two receiver for five, six, seven years and a guy who's going to give you phenomenal effort in the, in the running game when he's asked to block and frankly catch everything that's within his reach because he's a really polished receiver great route runner understands the in, the intricacies of running against the zone running against man and he knows how to get open not there last year when you were on uh, you mentioned a number of players i asked you for kind of underrated players or players people weren't talking about and there's another example of it last year i was looking through and a lot of the guys that you mentioned had quite good seasons last year a number of wide receivers in particular but you mentioned there uh, he's a really good kid and uh, you know a guy that has questions off the field about how good he is or how <laughs> how he gets himself into trouble is james winston do you think that it seems to have little just like he's eased the fears a little bit do you think he's calmed that down a little bit or do you think there is stuff there still to worry about I would be worried about him. Um, I think anybody who got into trouble, he was he was in Tallahassee for three three school years, and frankly, he got in trouble each one of those years. Yeah, now, yeah. anybody who goes to college, I think, remembers his college days or her college days <laughs> and says, oh, my God, I did stuff I should not have done. Um, now, that's typical for a college student. Yeah. I think the difference with Winston Here's a guy who was in the public spotlight and knew he was in the public spotlight and still did stupid things. So uh, I think in the back of the Bucks' mind, that has to be a concern, especially when you know if you put Winston, the person, up against Marcus Mariota, the person, oh, there's no comparison because Mariota is a great kid who never got in trouble. Um, but we all know um, if you have talent, no matter what sport you play, football, basketball, soccer, rugby, cricket, whatever, yeah. if you have talent, they overlook your personal foibles. And this is a situation where I think NFL teams are going to look at Jameis Winston and go, yeah, he has concerns, but man, he's a great talent on the field. Same thing, I think, for Doyle Green-Beckham, the wide receiver, yeah. and Marcus Peters, the cornerback from Washington. Doyle Green-Beckham kicked out of school at Missouri for numerous off-field problems. Marcus Peters, an extremely talented corner, kicked off the team in November because the coaches got tired of him. But those guys can both play. Both are going to get drafted, obviously not as high as Winston. I think the, the, the bottom line is if you can play and are extremely talented, no surprise, NFL is going to overlook your 
personal problems. Yeah, and that's very true. We've seen it, of course, with even Greg Hardy this offseason and the Cowboys yes. signing him up. Although that is kind of incentive-based contract, he's still getting another chance after his off-the-field this season. We do see it. If you have the talent, you do get those second chances. You mentioned there Marcus Mariota, and of course everyone's expecting Winston, the number one overall pick. A lot of people think that Mariota's far and away the, at least the second-best quarterback in this class. After Mariota, then, there seems to be a drop-off. Is there any quarterbacks from that kind of third, fourth on down that you think has the potential to be as good as those two guys or maybe even better? Last year when we seen the draft, we seen Teddy Bridgewater, bad pro day, drop down the boards, and you know by many accounts last season was the best uh, rookie quarterback out of the, the first tree taken for certainty. Yeah, I think that last year you had the four quarter. Yeah, you know, include Derek Carr in there, include yeah. Manziel. You had four high level quarterbacks. So Manziel, obviously, he may never reach his potential. I think this year, though, after the top two, and frankly, there's a bunch of questions about Mariota. Um, I, I'm a big Garrett Grayson fan. I think he's the third best quarterback, but I'm not convinced by any stretch that he can be an effective NFL starter. I think uh, some teams like Brett Hundley. I can understand that. I think he has the ways to go. Bryce Petty's got a really nice arm, throws a beautiful ball, but he, I think he's at least two years away. So if you're looking for a quarterback and you're picking, you know, after the Frank or the top 10, I'm not sure you're going to get one who can play at a high level in the NFL. And we all know if you want to make the playoffs and go a long way once you get there, you have to have a high level quarterback. I mean, you know, yes, Andy Dalton has led the Bengals to four consecutive playoff berths. Um, Getting to the playoffs is one thing. Having success in the playoffs is totally different. And I'm not sure even the most ardent Bengals fan thinks that Andy Dalton can get the Bengals to the Super Bowl. And that's, I think, you look at this year's quarterback class. I think most teams think Winston can be a franchise quarterback. A heck of a lot of teams think Mariota can be a franchise quarterback. I don't think there's anybody else in this draft, though, that can be a franchise quarterback. Last year, then moving on to other positions, there was many uh, rookies that made significant impact, both wide receiver position, a couple of running backs, and even on the defensive side of the ball. And then at the end of the season, guys like Clinton Dix came along against the, the Seahawks at a couple of interceptions. And that. So there's a lot of players had big impacts at different stages in the season. Rating this class compared to last year's 2014 draft class, would you see similarities? Or this class certainly seems to be the top end, could be quite strong, but uh, depth down the positions mightn't be as good? Yeah, I agree. I think that I think there is some some high level top flight talent, but overall the depth is not there. I think you can receivers. There's a lot of good ones. I don't know if there's any. You know, I, I'm a I like Devontae Parker of Louisville. There's Amari Cooper. There's Jalen Strong. There's Prashad Perriman. There's obviously Kevin White. I don't think the depth though is as quite as good as it was last year. I think there's four really good edge rushers in this draft. Um, I think there's one or two, three, one, two or three high level corners. Maybe just one safety. I think overall, though, the 2015 draft class is not as good top to bottom as the 2014. I think, again, there, there are some, you know, I think Dante Fowler Jr. can have a huge impact as a rookie. Some of those receivers can be pretty good players as rookies. I think the one group of players that's better in 2015 than 2014 is running back. Yeah. But that's the only position I think that's frankly the only position markedly better than last year's group is at running back. I think every other position uh, pales in comparison to 2014. But this is a really nice group of running backs. I think you'll be able to find a running back in the third round that can help you as a, as a rookie and maybe even fourth and fifth rounders, guys who can make um, you know backup, play backup roles and, and do a nice job. This is a nice group of running backs. 
you mentioned their running backs and just when we're on it there's a couple of you know there's a kind of divided opinion as to who is the top guy in this class there's a lot of guys that some people seem to love one guy some guys love the other and uh, who would your your uh, running back if you were taking the first running back off the board who would you be taking uh, i would take todd Gurley. i know he's coming off the uh, acl surgery in november oh, yeah. Um, he, I'm not sure he's going to be 100%, frankly, when the season begins. But I think he will be 100% in 2016. And I think um, he's a 1,400, 1,500-yard rusher, a guy who can be a workhorse back, a 18 to 20 carry a game guy, plus a guy who is extremely good as a receiver. And I think people don't, you know, Gurley, 6'1", 230, People, he, he was a nationally ranked hurdler in high school. The kid can move. He's got good quickness and good speed. Uh, I, I like Melvin Gordon, just not as much. Um, I, I think Duke Johnson on the right team, the kid from Miami, can be effective. Uh, Jay Ajay, the kid from Boise, can be effective. But I think Gurley is the best running back in this class, even with the knee surgery he had in November. Yeah, with that knee surgery, though, do you think that's going to put some teams off and put them down? Maybe a spot? No, I, I, actually, I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, people all you have to do is remember Willis McGahee, the Miami running back. He blew out his knee in the national title game in, in January and was still a first-round pick two months later in March. Uh, Gurley's got, obviously, Gurley's injury happened in late November. He had surgery in late November. This year's draft is late April. I think Gurley is going to be close to 100% when the season starts. May not be may not be fully back until again 2016. But I think teams, you know, the Cowboys should be extremely interested in Todd Gurley. Um, and if you're picking late in the first round, you're picking late because you've got a good team. Uh, Gurley to me would be a great fit for the Cowboys, a great fit for the Ravens, a bunch of teams that have winning records. Um, and again, I think Gurley is going to be a Pro Bowl running back. And maybe you don't see his best as a rookie, but you will see his best as a second-year guy. Um, and I think he's worth a first-round pick, definitely, even with the knee surgery. You mentioned earlier as well about Johnny Manziel. There was a question that uh, was sent in on Twitter, and it was about the, the Browns. Obviously, the two first-round picks last year, and then with the, the trade with the Bills last year in that draft, they have two first-round picks this year. They, you know, We can also try and figure out what's gone wrong with uh, Johnny Manziel. There was doubts coming in at the time of the draft, but with the two first-round picks this year, do you expect them to do a little bit better than they did last season? Yeah, you hope so, because... Yeah, you couldn't do much worse, as, as, bad as the, Yeah, as, as bad as the Manziel pick was, Justin Gilbert might have been worse. I mean, here's a guy you, you picked in the top ten to be a starting corner right yeah. away, opposite Joe Hayden, and the dude barely got off the bench. I'm assuming that the Browns take a wide receiver in the first round this year. I yeah, mean, they kind of have to, I think. They, they, need, they have to, you're right. I mean, but then again, this, this is the Browns, and we don't know what those guys are thinking. Um, you know, the thing is, last year, you can make a case for Justin Gilbert. Hey, that's not, not a bad pick. And Mansville getting him where they got him. Hey, that's not bad either. Neither panned out, and frankly, neither may ever pan out. But uh, given their situation at wide receiver, you would think that they have to take a wide receiver in the first round of this draft. I'm assuming they're going to have their pick, uh, maybe not of Cooper or White. One of those two is going to be gone um, for sure when they pick. Uh, they may have the other one. Devontae Parker is a good player. Rashad Perriman can play. Jalen Strong can play. Um, yeah, Cleveland, to me, is a team that had better come away with a first-round wide receiver in this draft. And I was going to ask, could they combine them to maybe trade up to get up to somebody like Mariota? But then when you mention, you know, they have two picks and they do need a wide receiver. So you're, if you have two first rounds, you want to hit on at least one of those picks. So I guess 
probably the best advice is for them to, to stick and just take two first round picks at maybe even two different positions or even two wide receivers. Yeah, I think two different positions. Right? I mean, this is a team that yes, they need a quarterback. Man, they got a ton of holes everywhere. Yeah. Frankly, um, that they were able to be competitive last year, given their quarterback situation. You got to give the coaching staff some credit. They have a. I think their defense is okay. Um, obviously, they could. There's there's certain players in this draft that would, that would make their defense better. Another cornerback opposite Hayden, for instance. But um, if I'm the Browns, you know, Mar- Mariota is not a given. And let's get serious. If 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 I'm a Browns. If I'm a Marcus Mariota fan, and I like this guy, I do not want him going to Cleveland. Because start, start I don't know what's going to happen to the guy. That, that's a poorly run franchise. I think Cleveland is better off keeping the two first-rounders, taking a wide receiver, and a, and a guy at a different position. Um, they have they have, they have have some holes that need to be filled. Um, and they, they can fill both those holes with the right picks in the first round. We talked about Johnny Manziel. You mentioned they need a wide receiver. That's because Josh Gordon's going to be suspended for the entirety of, the, of this upcoming season. A player who went into the, the draft process with uh, high expectations, projected to be in the top 10, Randy Gregory, defensive end out in Nebraska. He failed the drug test at the combine for marijuana. He's come out since and said he blames himself. I don't know who else he was expecting to, to blame if he could find another way around it. But how bad is it that these players, particularly Gregory himself, has gone into the combine and you know, fail this test. He knew the test was coming. Should have like stayed clean. And uh, how do you think it's going to affect his draft stock? I think I think he's going to slide some, but expect him to slide out the first round. Ain't going to happen. I mean, people Warren Sapp tested positive yeah. for marijuana. He slid until I think seventeen with the Bucks. Now Justin Houston, the Kansas City Chief, was was seen as a probable second rounder. He tested positive for the third round. Randy Gregory, though. Um, he has a highly marketable skill in today's NFL, which is edge rusher. Um, he sounds contrite. By all accounts, he's a pretty good kid. Um, he's battled, you know, he, he's, from, he's from Indiana, silent Purdue, didn't get in academically, went to a junior college. Uh, they're nice job at the junior college. He broke his leg. He went, to, he went to Nebraska, had a, two solid seasons with the Huskers. Uh, I think Randy Gregory may have cost himself maybe three or four spots in the draft, but he's still going to be a first-round pick because, again, that's a highly marketable skill. Now, if he's a kicker who's yeah. test positive, you know, that's, that's different. But here's an edge rusher who's mm. tested positive, and, yeah, maybe one or two teams bypass him. Two or three teams will draft who don't need an edge rusher. He's still going to go in the first round. And, um, you know, there are questions. He, he's, a, he's very light. He only weighs 235 pounds. I think he needs to play around 250. Um, if he's an outside linebacker, he's going to have to drop into the coverage, which is something he wasn't asked to do. So he is not a fully formed player by any stretch, but it, it is one thing he can get to the quarterback, and that's going to mean he's off the board, I think, by mid-teens at the latest. Yeah, and you mentioned Justin Houston. Obviously, he dropped down a little bit, but he has turned into a really solid NFL or above exactly. solid player. He had a great season last season, led the league in sacks. And then the other player, though, that might be a, a tale to, to just watch out for, Josh Gardner. Obviously, then he went in the supplemental that's draft. True, true, yeah. You know, he hasn't sure, turned think- things around. So that's the, that's the one thing teams will be worried about. But uh, I guess they, you know, that's down to their personal opinion if they, when they talk to Gregory, if they think, like you said, he's a, a good kid and can get this sorted out. Plus, I think most most teams. It's like most, most business. Everybody knows people who have issues yeah. um, in, in something. But generally there are companies, i.e. teams, that say, okay, if we put him in our environment, he's going to be fine. So um, obviously the Browns and Gordon, that didn't pan out. Um, but I think also Josh Gordon had a long litany of issues at Baylor. Uh, by all accounts, Randy Gregory did not have any issues at Nebraska. 
other than the, you know the, the, the positive test at uh, at uh, at the combine. He was never suspended at Nebraska. He was hurt for a game or two, but um, I don't think again it goes back to maybe one or two teams that need an edge rusher, maybe move him down a couple spots on their draft board. But I still think he's going top fifteen. Yeah, and just uh, before we finish up, two other questions in on Twitter. I thought I would cover two teams that we don't often cover too much here at Overtime Ireland, but the Denver Broncos, obviously Peyton Manning's coming back this year. O-line towards the end of the last season was an issue for them. He was getting pressured a lot quicker than he was at the start of the season. Question in from Stuart Roach, and he's wondering if they draft O-line early in the draft, say first, second round, realistically with this class, do you think they could uh, get themselves a one or two week one starters? I, I think they can find a starter late in the first round when they pick 28. There's going to be a tackle there or a guard there that can help them. Um, you know, this is an interesting offensive line class because you got a lot of people think Brandon Scherf, the guy from Iowa who played left tackle only at Iowa, is the best lineman. There are some people convinced though that he can't play left tackle in the NFL. Um, he'll have to be a guard or a right tackle. But I mean, I think if I'm the Broncos, I I need a starting lineman. Um, you know, how far does Scherf fall? Where does LSU's Lyle Collins go? Florida's DJ Humphreys is moving up draft boards. There's Pitts, TJ Clemmings. Um, I think Denver can draft a starting offensive lineman at number 28. Maybe it's not a left tackle, uh, but it's a guy that they, they can plug and play right away. Um, yeah, even though I think this, this offensive line class maybe doesn't have truly elite talent, but I think there are five or six guys we're going to go from midway through the first round to early in the second that you can put in right away and start Eric Flowers, the Miami tackle, another guy who I think can start right away. So I see if I'm, if I'm a Broncos fan, I, I am confident that John Elway can find an offensive lineman at 28 who can start right away and help protect Peyton Manning in what probably will be uh, Manning's last pro season. And uh, the last question now is Andy Gilderdale, and it's all about the Atlanta Falcons. You mentioned Sharif there, and he's wondering when the Falcons step up for the eighth overall pick, do you think they go defense after the way their free agent recruiting went, or do they take Sharif there if he's still available? And of course, they've lost one of their later round picks uh, because of the you know the the punishment that was handed down earlier this week. So it's going to be. Uh, I, I think yeah, I think they need an edge rusher. Um, you know, I'm not a. I live in Florida. I've watched Adrian Claiborne play for a couple of years. The dude's never healthy. When he, you know, he, he might be able to provide a pass rush if everything goes right. I wouldn't count on him. Dan Quinn, um, he's an interesting guy. I, uh, I cover college football. Got a chance to talk to him when he was the defensive coordinator at Florida. He loves being able to produce pressure with a guy he can move around. And I think if you look at Vic Beasley, who's from the Atlanta area, Dante Fowler from Florida, who Dan Quinn coached at Florida. Randy Gregory, Shane Ray, um, you know, maybe eight's too high for for Ray or Gregory now because of the, the marijuana thing. But I think if I'm if I'm Dan Quinn, I'm targeting an edge rusher in this draft. Maybe it's Vic Beasley because um, I think Dante Fowler might be off the board. But if 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 Vic Beasley ends up with Dan Quinn, um, Vic Beasley should be a double digit sack guy as a rookie. Um, I think Dan Quinn can do some pretty cool things with Dick Beasley. And if I'm Dick Beasley ending up on Atlanta, basically playing at home for a coach who understands the value of moving a guy around uh, as a pass rusher, uh, I would be ecstatic if I was Dick Beasley. And I think Atlanta has to get a guy who can rush the passer, especially in a division where you got Cam Newton twice, you've got Drew Brees twice, and probably now you're going to have Jameis Winston twice. So you got you got to have to provide... Uh, you can find a guy that, that can provide a pass rush 
and I think an edge rusher is definitely the way to go for the Falcons. And uh, that there wraps us up for this uh, edition and uh, the the draft talk. And of course, Mike's on Twitter and it's at Mike Huggenin. You can follow him there. Probably that's the best place to get all the information that he's dishing out. But NFL.com, you'll often see up there a lot of the, the draft-related articles are going to be from him. A lot of fantastic stuff. And uh, that's the way I like to keep up with all the stuff going on at the minute. So thanks as always, Mike, for uh, joining us and uh, look forward to having you on again in the future. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker and Super Bowl champion, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. So once again, thanks to Mike for coming on the show. Great to get some draft insight there. And of course, we'll have more stuff about the NFL draft coming up in the coming weeks. The draft is on Thursday, April 30th, starting, runs all the way through to the Saturday. And of course, that is less than one month away. So we'll have a couple of guests coming up in the next few shows to talk more about the draft. And of course, maybe who your team's picking. we got a few thoughts there on what the Atlanta Falcons should do, what the Denver Broncos should do. Some teams, sometimes we don't talk about those teams uh, as much. Obviously, we talk about the Broncos end season, the Falcons at a poor season last year. We like to get your thoughts, both those questions sent in on Twitter. We'll use the best questions each and every week that is sent in for our guests. And even if there is not a guest on the show, do keep sending us your questions and we'll use them. We'll give our best answers and our thoughts on those. So do uh, keep sending them in and we try and cover as many teams as we can here. We like to try and uh, help everybody gain a little bit of insight and knowledge into their team. So that was Mike. Do follow on Twitter. It's at Mike Huggenin, as I mentioned. That's Mike, followed by H-U-G-U-E-N-I-N. And, uh, of course, give him a follow and uh, check out all the good stuff he's sharing about the NFL draft. Jump into some news now from the last week. There's been a couple of interesting things. I mentioned there to him about the Falcons losing the draft pick. And while I said during that talk with Mike, it was this year's draft. It was actually the 2016 draft, so mistake there by me on that maybe i'll look into the uh, articles in a little bit more detail the next time make sure i get the facts all correct they've also been fined three hundred and fifty thousand dollars that was for pumping crowd noise into the stadium while the opposition was on the field uh, so you know they're going into the opposition huddle can't hear uh, what the quarterback's trying to tell them in other words because uh, more new more noise being pumped in than the crowd is actually making so uh, NFL coming down quite uh, strictly on that and it's interesting as well that uh, the event marketing director there for the Falcons who's no longer with them uh, named Roddy White a lot of people wondering why is Roddy White the wide receiver also head of uh, event marketing there with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons but uh, turns out that uh, they happen to have two Roddy Whites uh, involved with the franchise the Browns also punished for the kind of the Texan scandal that was going on there something that it, I don't think if it was that big a deal or not but it is in the laws isn't allowed so uh, the Browns kind of been made a, a little bit of a example of here and more so than the Cleveland Browns it's Ray Farmer himself the general manager he's been suspended without pay for the first four games of the regular season and the Browns have been fined uh, $250,000 they will not lose a draft pick so Farmer can't be involved with any club matters during that is prohibited from being at the Browns office and uh, practice facility during that time so you know that's the the first four games of the season but I don't know it'll, I don't think it'll affect them all that much on the field couple of players have signed contracts in the last week. Some players looking uh, to sign with teams going on free agent visits and so on. So one of those is Stephen Ridley. He's visiting with the Miami Dolphins. He's coming off ACL surgery from last season. A player that I still think has a lot to offer in the NFL. I think he's a dynamic player, although he has been hampered by injuries over the last two seasons in particular. He was with the New England Patriots. So it's going to be interesting to see if he lands there with the Miami Dolphins. Miles Austin, a player many people think is probably past it, former Cowboys receiver where he was a star with the team, played with the Browns last season, then had 
injuries that uh, cut his season short. But he has signed a one-year contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. Chip Kelly seems to think he can plug anyone into the system. Uh, taking Miles Austin in here for a luck anyway. We'll see how long he stays with the team and how things go. But he thinks he can plug Miles Austin, obviously, into this Eagles lineup. And uh, he can do a job for them right there. DeMarco Ryan's talking about the Eagles. He has signed a new two-year deal with them. Keep him there through 2016. So the veteran linebacker uh, sticking around for another couple of seasons. We talked about the Patriots probably losing Ridley in this free agent market. Well, looks like they're trying to sign a linebacker, and that is Rolando McLean. They do need a, a linebacker and uh, definitely need help at the position. Rolando McLean played with the Cowboys last year, was uh, definitely a candidate for comeback player of the year, And uh, but it looks like he might face a possible suspension at the start of the season, but that hasn't stopped the Patriots from taking a look at him, and he is uh, heading up to New England to see what goes down there. Some news on my Packers, and uh, BJ Raji will be returning, obviously, Missed uh, all of last season with an injury. He's coming back this season on a one-year deal. Likewise, Guyon is coming back as well to the Packers. There was a lot of doubt whether he would return or not after he was caught with uh, quite a substantial amount of marijuana in his car along with a lot of money and uh, a handgun. But uh, everything there seemed to come out legit outside of the marijuana, I'm guessing. And uh, he's back with the Packers on a one-year deal after the, the charges against him were all dropped. And... Uh, Although the league might look into it and he, he may still face suspension. Not much else going on in the past week, really, outside of that. But a piece I thought was interesting was Sam Bradford talking about uh, how he talked to his college coach. And uh, he actually had thought about quitting the NFL after his injury last season. Didn't know if things would work out for him. Thought maybe his time wasn't going to come in the NFL. I know he's made a lot of money in the league. But, you know, with the two injuries back-to-back seasons, he kind of maybe thought that it was time to, to call it a day, but uh, you know he was talked out of it by his former quarterback coach at college, and uh, now he's got a big trade, and he's got a chance to, to prove it again with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, interesting story there I read, and uh, just thought, you know, anyone looking to look it up, make sure just Google in Sam Bradford, and uh, I'm sure that there one will pop up. The other one I talked to DJ off uh, air on a, on a phone call, obviously DJ not joining on the show today, be back for next week's show. Uh, Tom Brady jumping off a, a cliff and um, a lot of people don't want to I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of New York Jets fans out there hoping that this story ends with Tom Brady getting severely injured but uh, no it doesn't and uh, I, know, I know a few Patriots fans were a bit nervous watching the clip Tom Brady going cliff jumping while on his off season uh, holidays let's call them having a, having a bit of downtime but uh, cool cool video of Tom Brady jumping from quite a height uh, but uh, thankfully it all ended in uh, good fun but I'm sure you know like all these players in their contracts, there's different stages of not to go and do extreme sports and things like that. Well, I don't know what's in Tom Brady's contract, but uh, Cliff Diving may, may be one that'll be added in, <laughs> into the next version of his contract if he does go on to sign another one with the New England Patriots. But really and truly, that wraps it all up for this week's show. Just trying to fill out a few moments there, going through little bits and pieces of news, but quiet enough. And uh, it's really all about the NFL draft. So that's why we got Mike Huggin on to talk about that. So thanks again to Mike for coming on. Do follow on Twitter. Do follow us on Twitter as well, at Overtime Ireland is our Twitter handle. Love getting interaction with you guys. There are well over 3,000 followers on there now. So keep ramping it up. Keep spreading the word of Overtime Ireland. If it's your first time listening to the show, please hit the subscribe button. If you're listening but haven't hit the subscribe button yet uh, and listen regularly, it's very handy. Just hit the subscribe button, downloads automatically onto your device and uh, listen to the show each and every week. So we're hoping to be back now next week again. We're going to be talking with Marcus Ogden, former NFL offensive lineman, and uh, we're going to talk to him about his time in the league. His brother too is Jonathan Ogden, NFL Hall of Famer. So looking forward to talking with him on the show. We'll be talking to him this week. He'll be coming out on next week's show. So stay tuned for that. Do be sure to tweet us in any questions you have for him at Overtime Ireland to find us. 
And really and truly, until we're back with that next show, stay tuned to the feed. That's, as I mentioned again, at Overtime Ireland, shameless plug time coming in there. And until the next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production. 